This is Pragmatic Follow-Up Part A for Episode 13, Safety, Safety Everywhere. I'm John Chidgey, and joining me is Vic Hudson. How are you doing, Vic? I'm good, John. How are you? Very good, thank you. So, a friend of the show, David Legant, uh, sent through a very interesting link. I was going to say funny, and, you know, I say, I have this this expression where I say, oh, you know, the funny thing is, and then I say that, it, oh, actually, no, it's not funny. Well, it isn't. This is one of those situations. So, uh, it's a, an article about a nuclear power plant, and what they did is in Europe, and they, they, they were fitting, as a part of the safety initiative, they were fitting more fire extinguishers. And when they were fitting the fire extinguishers, you've got to hang them on the wall. Well, um, what they did when they uh, they actually mounted on the wall is that, because in order to mount it, because the fire extinguisher is quite heavy. So what you want to do is you want to uh, put an anchor on the wall. Well, they put an anchor on the wall. But the wall that they put it on just happened to be the outer protective shell, the containment shell um, for the outer reactor. Oh. That you're not supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <clears throat> Dear me. Um, anyhow, look, there was no incident beyond the fact that um, beyond the fact that there was a uh, yeah. I mean, no, nothing actually went wrong, but it was a breach of the safety yeah, regulations. They had to patch it up and do a whole bunch of little you know remedial things to fix it up afterwards. But it, what what it brought to the forefront of my mind was that it's an interesting effect where the act of intending to improve the safety of, in a situation can actually in itself create a safety problem. Uh, yeah, it's worth pondering, I think, because you know, we take these sorts of precautions, right? Uh, let, let's say it's long mm-hmm. sleeve shirt, long, long pants. So we were just talking about this before the show. And you know, that, that's all well and good and great and lovely. But you know, what, if, what if it's the middle of summer and that causes us to have a heat stroke? You know, it's like one precaution creates a new safety hazard. It's a trade-off. It is a trade-off, exactly. So, you know, I think it's worth thinking about. So, not just what can we do to improve the safety net in this situation, but also what exactly um, that I choose to do, will that affect my safety in other ways? So, it's worth pondering. And to the people over there mounting fire extinguishers, you know, bad. Think it through next time. There we go. So, anyway... um, and actually, another example I was just thinking about uh, regarding the heat and sun and skin cancer is um, I was out on site uh, just recently. And when I was out on site, uh, you got to wear a hard hat. And hard hats, of course, are notoriously not exactly like a wide brim hat. So if you're out in the sun, uh, you know, and you're just wearing one of these and you're not wearing sunscreen and, and so on, well, that's a problem. So what do you do, right? Someone came up with this idea of a, a sun brim that you fit to the hard hat and sort of like pops around the outside and it gives you a, a, the equivalent uh, of, a, uh, of a nice wide brim sun hat. And that's great, but the number of people that don't do it is ridiculous. I mean, they've got these things hanging up in the safety, the PPE shed, and uh, you know, people just don't put them on their hard hats. I don't know why. All it takes is like five minutes out of your way to go grab one, put one on, and then it's on for the, for the rest of your time using that hard hat. So why not? Anyway, little thing, but still... All right. Next thing is, um, had uh, a an email from a friend of the show, uh, Tristan Lostra. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Tristan. And uh, it was a link about a few things, but the first one was about Space Shuttle Columbia's first victims. And there's a link in the show notes to this article. It is a very good read if you're interested in, in safety and cause and effect. And it's... 
it's kind of kind of scary actually because everyone remembers Colombia from when it burned up in reentry in uh, 2003 very tragically unfor- a horrible accident however in 1981 long before that it actually there was a, an incident uh, where uh, John Bornstadt uh, Forrest Cole uh, they they died on the day of the incident and Nicholas Mullen suffered for oh, geez, a decade and a half after the incident before he died uh, with physical and psychological issues as a direct result of the incident. So what, what happened was it was a nitrogen purge. Now, nitrogen purging is relatively common in industry, certainly in oil and gas and also in the you know with the space shuttle because when they're dealing with you know li- liquid oxygen hydrogen and, and so on you know they're, they're very very explosive gases so what you want to do is you want to make sure that those compartments are completely clear before you mix in normal air okay so the idea is you purge it with nitrogen so you fill it up with with pure nitrogen so people think that you know nitrogen's harmless right it's because 78 percent of the earth's atmosphere is nitrogen so you think, yeah, okay, nitrogen's safe, right? It's essentially uh, an inert gas in its, you know, in its most common form, which is uh, N2. It's actually a trivalent bond, uh, a triple bond. So it's very difficult to break that bond. Hence, it doesn't react with very many things. And because it's readily available, it, you know, there's so much in the atmosphere, it's easy to extract. So therefore, you know, it can be used to expel any other hazardous gases, which is like I say, for purging is, is perfect. But the problem is, and this was the case with Columbia, is that because nitrogen displaces oxygen, well, we need oxygen to breathe. So when there's low oxygen in our lungs, we, you know, we stop creating CO2. And, you know, if there's no oxygen, you can't make CO2, obviously. Uh, hence, you know, there's no trigger in our brain to tell us that we're suffocating. We just pass out from low oxygen. Now... I guess why I wanted to touch on this and on nitrogen specifically is that in the oil and gas industry, you know, it is, it's also common uh, as a safety practice to purge with nitrogen. So let's say that you've got a pig launcher and you've just, you're about to pig a line or, you're go- or you've just pigged a line. Well, you know, you're going to inject that. Potentially, you could inject that with nitrogen to get rid of any hydrocarbons in there such that when you opened up the pig to remove it to, for cleaning purposes, there's going to be no issues, no, no chance of explosion. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, here's the here's some interesting statistics for you about nitrogen. The, in uh, the decade from '92 to 2002, I don't have more recent statistics, sorry, but that's all I could find. There were 85 separate incidents, and this is the in, in the United States alone. 80 people were killed, and 50 people were seriously injured. So, nitrogen and nitrogen purging, it's intended to improve safety. But it's actually quite dangerous, and people underrate. Interesting. Sorry. I said interesting. Yeah, it is. It's 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 interesting because, like I said, it's the act of trying to make something safe, which sort of dovetails into the into the, the my first the first comment feedback from David, is that the act of trying to render something safe actually creates a hazard. Anyway, so worth worth uh, worth thinking about if you're in that industry, or certainly, yeah. Perhaps there aren't too many listeners in that situation, but still, I think it's interesting. Uh, another side note about Tristan as well that I didn't realize is he actually worked for um, Gas Detection Australia, which, uh, although they're not in hazardous area detection, so like portable meters and stuff, they do a lot of uh, single fixed location detectors. In, in the lingo, they call it fixed point uh, for short. 
And he was telling me that those two biggest money spinners were car park, carbon monoxide, and cold room uh, carbon, mono- um, carbon dioxide uh, sensors. But with car parks, what they do is uh, apparently they, is they, they'll hook up the ventilation fan, uh, variable speed drives. So uh-huh. rather than running the fans on full speed, what they'll do is they'll run them based on the proportion of carbon monoxide. So as the proportion of carbon monoxide increases, they'll increase the speed of the fans to draw in fresh air or to expel Got it. bad air. Uh, and that saves them money because then they don't have to run them at full tilt all the time, which is rather, you know, rather interesting and typical, right? So... Yeah. Yeah. Determine the level of carbon monoxide before people start getting sick, and then we'll run the fans <laughs> just before we reach that point. Yeah, you know, that's like oh, God, typical. Lovely. I don't think it's. They can get a headache, but we don't want them to get sick. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Anyway, so uh, yeah, and he was also personally developed, uh, personally involved in the development of a CO two sensor at one point in his career, which is, sounds pretty cool to me. Anyway. Uh, and found plenty of uh, carbon dioxide leaks in beer lines uh, because people didn't install them correctly. So again, very interesting. So thank you very much to David and Tristan for that follow-up. Much appreciated.